Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Future with your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam. This is a political and philosophical podcast that follows current events, primarily in the United States. Here we look at our nation's and our world's laws, views, people, and issues, our possible solutions to those issues, as well as how we might do better, so that there may one day be a bright future. As always, the rules do not insult others, but instead discuss and debate each other's argument in a respectful manner. Take into account new information, perspectives, and ideas, and keep your opinions flexible to match them. The rule number three is Hanlon's razor. Do not attribute to malice that which could instead be attributed to stupidity. Four is Occam's razor. Keep in mind that simpler explanations that make the least assumptions are more likely to be correct. Five is Hitchin's razor. That which can be stated without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. However, there are some exceptions to this for basic universal truths like the Earth is an oblate spheroid and the derivative of x squared is 2x. Lastly, while I record these episodes in a voice chat that anyone is free to join, this podcast is not popular enough yet to regularly have other members join to follow these rules. That being said, these rules stand for the comments if you're listening to this on YouTube or for the chat room if you're in my Discord server. They also apply directly to me, and I always keep them in mind while writing and recording these episodes. With no further delay, let's begin. So, there's an election coming up. Make sure you vote, of course, but who should you vote for? It's not a presidential election, but we are voting for the people who draft the laws that get to the president's desk in the first place, as well as local government positions. So, it's just as important, if not more important, than a full presidential election. But, again, who should we vote for? Well, I could just go with whosoever's name is first, or who sent me the most promotional flyers in the mail, because you've got a pile of those here. But I don't want to just do that. I want to vote for people who I can actually support, for people who want to solve the same problems I do, in a manner that both they and I believe makes the most sense. But how do I know who's going to do that? Well, I mean, they could just tell me, but we all know political promises are the only type of promise that's actually made to be broken. So instead, I thought that I might look at their actions. For those who are up for re-election, I would look at the pieces of legislation that they've previously introduced, because this is a local election, my opinions will only work for my state. However, if you like my idea, I recommend following the same process for your state as I'm about to outline here. So, pieces of legislation. The best place to find that is on congress.gov. Conveniently, from the homepage, if you scroll down a little, you can find your current congresspeople by state. From there, you can find links to each of them which will then display all pieces of legislation that they have either sponsored or co-sponsored. It also shows how long they've been in office, which party they're a part of, how to contact them, and their own website if they have one. Before we begin, I suppose I have to find out who's actually on the ballot. Where could I find that? Well, for my state, sos.nebraska.gov was kind enough to provide a sample ballot for the November 8th general election. If you're in another state, though, you'll probably have to do some search engine shenanigans. For example, I'm, for this example, I'm going to skip to the section for representative in Congress in District 2, which is where I'm located. 
The choices are Don Bacon, who is currently in office since 2017, or Tony Vargas. We'll start with Don Bacon, because I don't actually have to go off of his campaign promises, and can instead go straight to the legislation that he's previously brought before the House of Representatives. Again, quite conveniently, Congress.gov gives me an organized list of every piece of legislation that he's either sponsored or co-sponsored, and also has a link to his website. According to that website, I can also send him an email after I've verified my residency with my zip code, so I might have to do that with a link to this episode. To see if I'm going to vote for him, I'll have to look at the legislation that he's previously sponsored, which means bills that he's introduced personally rather than co-sponsored, which means bills that another representative introduced that he shows support for. The first bill on the list, the most recent by default, that showed up for me was H.R. 8804, titled Air Force Rated Officer Retention Program Act. Introduced to the House on September 13th. Currently, there's no summary available for it on Congress.gov, so instead, I had to read the thing myself. Thankfully, unlike other pieces of legislation that I've previously covered on this show, it's only five pages long, instead of hundreds or even thousands. Effectively, this bill will offer incentives to Air Force officers that are nearing the end of their obligation of duty to stay with the Air Force longer. It includes a cash incentive, as well as a guarantee that they can be placed where they want to be on duty. I like this bill. By retaining officers that are already trained, I don't think we would need to instead spend money on training new ones, and that money could be better spent on, say, improving our nuclear defense lasers in the event that Putin gets even more trigger-happy. Because I somewhat agree with this bill, I'll give him a point towards me voting for him, but it doesn't directly affect me either, so I don't actually feel too strongly about it. I do like that the bill is short and to the point, so that I or any other citizen could read it and rather quickly come to an opinion on it. I won't go over every bill Representative Bacon has sponsored, of course. As of this writing, there are 79 of them, but skimming through, most are just a few short pages, which, given how upset I've been reading the longer bills, is a definite plus as well. In addition, by seeing the pieces of legislation in a nice organized list, I can quickly see what my representative cares about, rather than just what his campaign promises are, though, to be fair, most of the campaigning I see for Representative Bacon is just his name on a billboard or something. By looking at what he's sponsored, though, I can gather a few things. Representative Bacon cares a lot about the military. It makes sense, considering that there's a large Air Force base located here in our area. But instead of just pumping money into our military, it looks like he cares about the people in it, as well as transparency with their budget and actions. Hopefully, the Defense Budget Transparency Act will prevent another one of those $1,200 coffee cups. He also seems to care about the people close to the military with bills such as the Warrior Brain Health Act and Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps Expansion Act. Though, for that second one there, I do recommend quality over quantity. John Bacon also seems to care a lot about foster care and adoption. Protecting Sibling Relations and Foster Care Act and Foster Care Stabilization Act would create more stable homes for our most vulnerable children, creating a more stable foundation to help them grow. Unfortunately, of all of these bills that I believe would be good laws, only two that he has introduced have ever actually made it that far. 
The first is H.R. 4168, which renames a Postal Service building after Petty Officer First Class Charles Jackson French, who was a sailor in the Navy during World War II. When the USS Gregory was attacked on September 4, 1942, Charles swam for eight hours in shark-infested waters while towing a life raft carrying 25 survivors to avoid capture and execution by Japanese forces on land. The other bill that Bacon introduced and became law was H.R. 504, the DHS Field Engagement Accountability Act. This law requires that the Department of Homeland Security regularly develop and update strategies on how to work with other government agencies in order to maximize their ability to respond to large-scale criminal and terrorist activity. The law is four pages long. Clearly, another thing that Don Bacon cares about is not wasting anyone's time and just getting right to the point, which in his line of work, I can strongly support. I would give the criticism of there are more important issues that we should be focusing on right now, like inflation, healthcare, reproductive rights, and taxes, but even finding out what those issues are is an issue all of its own. Personally, I think that the important thing is that he's actually trying to do something about at least some of these issues. And I don't want to be that guy that's all, oh, you don't care about this issue because you should be tackling this bigger issue. So I can support Don, but what about his opponent, Tony Vargas? What if he's better? Currently, Tony serves as a member of, ne of the Nebraska legislation. But if he wins the election, he would go ahead and instead represent my state at a federal level. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find a resource online that shows legislation that he's supported in the past on my state level. So instead, I do have to go off of his campaign promises on his website. Tony believes we must lower the cost of prescription drugs. Cool, I went through a surgery a few weeks ago and needed a little of that, so I know how expensive that it can be. The best way to grow our economy is by supporting our people. I could definitely use a bit of support in my paycheck right now due to, you know, surgery. A right to vote is what makes our democracy the best in the world, and politicians should not be trying to put artificial barriers between eligible voters and the ballot. What do you mean by artificial barriers, Tony? Do you mean like an identification card like those ID laws that are being proposed? Because showing a simple ID seems fair, and in the case of losing it, there is a system in place to look it up. Other issues Tony promises to focus on include education, clean energy, veterans, and reproductive freedom. I've discussed this a few times on this show, so let's look at his opinion. For nearly 50 years, the right to choose was protected in Roe v. Wade. Okay, uh, do you support it or not? On your main issues page, you don't actually say... I have to click in further before I can actually find it. Quote, in Congress, I'll vote to preserve the ability of Nebraskan women to make reproductive health decisions that are the best for them. I mean, it sounds like you're pro-choice, but Tony, you aren't coming out and you're saying it either. You're dodging the wording. But he continues, quote again, my opponent, Representative Don Bacon, has shown that he'll do the opposite as he currently co-sponsors a bill to criminalize and ban all abortions nationwide even in cases of rape, incest, and when the life of the mother is at risk. We can't let that happen. Real quick, for those who don't know, a, for a bill to become a law at both a federal level and for every state except Nebraska, it is first introduced into either the House of Representatives or the Senate, 
Once it passes, it goes to the opposite, from the House to the Senate, or vice versa, where it can be amended, and then, if it passes, goes to the President to sign into law. Nebraska is the only state that's different because we don't have a House of Representatives, we just have a Senate. Once it passes the Senate, then it goes to the Governor. So, per your statement on reproductive rights, Tony, uh, I'm assuming Tony Vargas is talking about H.R. 8814, which is an exact copy of a bill that I discussed in a previous episode. Remember S4840, protecting pain-capable unborn children from late-term abortions? H.R. 8814 is the same bill, word for word, with the only difference is that it was introduced in the House first rather than the Senate first. Once it passes the House, then it moves to the Senate, and then it'll move to the President, or if S4840 continues forward, it'll pass the Senate, then the House, and then go to the President. For more information on my opinion about that and what the bill actually does, check out episode 15, which came out on September 27th, for more information. But going back to Tony's statement, quote again, criminalize and ban all abortions, even in cases of rape, incest, and if the life of the mother is at risk. Tony, do you know how to read? Because the bills, H.R. 8814 and S4840, are publicly available for anyone to read on congress.gov, and if you've read it, you would know that it outlines specific exemptions for those exact cases of rape, incest, and if the life of the mother is at risk. Now, I know that you probably know this, too, and you're exaggerating to try and make Don Bacon look bad, but that's almost a worse look for you. Misinformation is already a serious problem, and Tony, you're part of it. Looking at Tony's political promises led me to look at Don Bacon's political promises as well. I initially ignored this aspect entirely because I can instead see what he was actually doing with his current legislation, but looking at Don Bacon's website, the biggest problem I see with his issues is that some of his issues' tabs are just blank. That's not a great look either. Budget, jobs and economy, energy and environment, transportation and infrastructure, oversight and government reform, and more are all just blank. Your opinion isn't outlined on any of these. So, good and bad sides for both candidates. Still, I think it's enough to make a decision on who I should vote for. But that's just one part of the ballot. Another part of the ballot is the state governor. Considering that governor is also a fairly important position, the governor is like the president of your state instead of the president of the entire country, I feel like I'll cover this one as well in this episode. Currently, the governor of Nebraska is Pete Ricketts, but he's not running for another term this year. So instead, our options are Republican Jim Pillen, Democrat Carol Blood, or Libertarian Scott Zimmerman. Well, okay, funny story. I shouldn't have included their political parties there. Elections to Nebraskan legislature and the Nebraska governor are officially nonpartisan. Still, each of their political leanings do seem clear based on their campaign websites and state legislation that they've previously introduced, if they have previously introduced any. Still, let's go over each of them in the order that they'll appear on the ballot. Jim Pillen is a self-described conservative Republican who, like me, grew up on a farm. He also has a bachelor's in animal science and a doctorate of veterinary medicine. He's since founded and run a multi-generational family farm and business. He's also a former Cornhusker, if you're a football person, and has even called his campaign and political promises the Pillen Playbook. It's a 20-page pamphlet that I see some issues with. 
quote, the plays protect religious freedom. The freedom to worship God and follow one's conscience is our most fundamental right as Americans. Hold on there, Jim. Protecting religious liberty means that you'll let your citizens follow or worship whichever religion they want, not just the freedom to worship God. I'm hoping that's what Jim actually means here, but still, awkward wording could easily be misinterpreted that way. In addition to this, our country was founded on a clear separation of church and state, because when religion and government mix, you tend to get things like holy wars. I fully believe that there should just be one law about religion that simply says, as long as you're not hurting anyone, worship who and how you want. I do not believe that religion should be included in campaign promises, especially this part, put God back into schools. Public schools are funded by the government. If you force students attending public schools to worship the Christian faith, that would be a clear breach of the separation of church and state. So, how about our next option, Carol Blood? Carol has a former government experience as a city councilwoman, as well as a Nebraska senator. After I got this information from the Nebraska legislation website, I went to her campaign website and... Carol, if you or someone on your team somehow hears this episode, you need to fire whoever designed your campaign website. These bright colors are scorching my retinas to the point that I'm having difficulty reading your key issues page. From what I could see between from what I could read between the iridescent spots in my vision, Carol cares about improving our education, upgrading our healthcare, and fixing our failing roads. But most importantly, Carol cares about fixing our currently shattered tax system. According to my recent pay stubs, the total taxes taken out of my paycheck totals 37% of my income. That's more than my rent, internet, and electric bills combined, so considering my name, I'm a big fan of fixing broken tax systems. Our third option is, quote, Scott Zimmerman for governor, because Nebraska deserves better. His campaign website is very professional and minimalist, and rather than bright red, white, and blue like Carol's and Jim's, it's instead more black and white. Of the three candidates, Scott is the one I learned the least about from his website. However, he admits that he's not wired for this kind of environment. He's not a politician. It's instead more of a straight shooter, which makes sense. He's a third grade school teacher. His about tab does kind of read like a resume, though. That being said, Someone like Zimmerman, who's taking risks by not following the usual campaign playbook, might be a good thing. An awful lot of us are pretty upset with how our government is working, so if he doesn't campaign the traditional way, he probably won't govern the traditional way either. Like a caring teacher, which he also is, a third grade teacher that is, he's even adding memes into his campaign, even if they are a little outdated. Similar to Carol Blood, he seems to want to focus on taxes, with the ultimate goal of eliminating income taxes altogether. I think that's... Well, let's go with optimistic, but I could definitely go for at least lowering it from my staggering 37%. In addition, he's promised to focus on not wasting any tax revenue. Mostly, across all of his promises, he seems to focus on less federal reliance and more state reliance, which, in the wake of several attempted mandates and the pandemic, I can definitely get behind some of that. There are many, many more people on things that are on November 8th ballot. In some cases, I don't even have a choice. For example, the choices for Secretary of State is either Bob Evan or Write-In. 
Unfortunately, I don't have time to research or cover all of them, and if I did, I might accidentally give away my address, considering uh, some of the districts for our legislature are pretty small. Still, now that I've outlined my process for deciding who I'm going to vote for, I encourage you to follow a similar process. Learn as much as you can about your candidates, ideally from the straight facts if possible. Before I turn this episode over to the voice chat, I have one last section to add. Initially, after I finished writing this essay section, I continued research into other candidates that I might vote for. One of the political parties in the state of Nebraska is simply named Legal Marijuana Now, which I really like. That means if I vote for them, I know what I'm voting for. Larry Bollinger is their pick for Attorney General. On his campaign website, under Introductory, instead of the usual About Me tab, there's an interesting first sentence, quote, I was born and raised in Alliance, Nebraska, spelled R-A-Z-E-D, and also without a comma between the city of Alliance and the state of Nebraska. Though, considering his political party, Legal Marijuana Now, means I'm hoping that this is actually a really clever joke, especially considering that in his About tab, his life experience is not in chronological order, but instead jumps all over the place. With competition like this, I might have to run for something in about four years. With my essay section for the week over, this is the part of the episode where I will join the voice chat in my Discord server. However, this week it doesn't look like there's anyone there waiting for me, so instead, I believe I will be ending this week's episode here. Thank you very much for listening. Feel free to comment if you're watching this episode on YouTube, or discuss this and other topics in my Discord server with me and other listeners. Anyone, even you, are free to join in when new episodes of Bright Future are recorded at 7pm Central every Monday. They are also recorded live on Twitch at The Storm AI. These episodes are then released every Tuesday at 6pm Central, so I'll see you back here next week.